Hey, what's up, everybody? We are so excited to announce that Zootown Podcast is back in business. We're running with season two uh, in the next few months, and we're going to be releasing some podcasts with uh, our staff discussing topics, but also some guests that we'll be interviewing. Um, and so thank you so much for supporting this, and thank you so much for just listening to what we have to say, and we're just looking forward to a deeper conversation. Love you guys. Welcome back to the Zootown Podcast. We have missed you. We hope you've missed us. And uh, we are excited to kick off a whole new season of this podcast. Literally, we have all new people. And uh, so we are excited to be back. Um, Today, we are just going to talk about, one, why we stopped the podcast for a season. And um, just kind of the events that surrounded that without too much information, I guess. But uh, also, we're going to introduce some new people on the podcast uh, that are now working for Zootown Church. If you are new to us, I am Scott. I am the lead pastor of Zootown Church in Missoula, Montana. Um, again, if you are listening to this outside of Missoula, Missoula's nickname is Zootown. So uh, we called our church Zootown Church uh, to kind of meet the culture of Missoula, Montana. And if anyone has been to Missoula, we know that it lives up to its name, the Zootown. Am I right, guys? Am I right? (laughs) Just kidding. They were all good Christians. They never did anything bad in Missoula. But um, yeah, so we are, we're really excited about this. Uh, This has always been a a vision of ours that kind of got derailed for a little bit. Um, But we do believe that podcasts are important and um, that they're a great way to communicate. And, and so just kind of our heart behind this has always just been good conversation and um, just a way that people can express their opinions in a loving way, because we believe that is seriously lacking in our society and in our world. And um, we want to be kind of that bridge where people can have different opinions, different walks of life, but still be able to talk in a normal way, I guess. Um, So that's what this is all about. This doesn't mean that we agree with everyone that comes on or any guests or even agree with each other, but we just consider ourselves all kind of included in the family of God. And so we want to treat each other like brothers and sisters. So um, yeah, first off, why did the podcast stop? So we went through a pretty serious season at Zootown Church where there was just a lot of disagreements on a lot of different things. And um, the podcast was one of them. We had some guests on that some of the staff members didn't agree with and didn't didn't mean that we all agreed um, with our guests, but we wanted to give them the space and the time to be able to express their views of scripture and culture and the Bible and all that. But um, there were some pretty serious disagreements between our staff um, and this podcast was deemed dangerous. (laughs) It was deemed dangerous. And we just didn't see it that way on one hand, and then some other people did see it that way. And so um, we stopped the podcast for a season because in my heart, I truly wanted peace. I wanted peace with my brothers, and um, I wanted peace with our listeners, and uh, I just knew it couldn't go on the way that it was um, with so much tension. And so um, I did my best to to stop it so that way we could kind of regroup and come back together, but that didn't happen. So a bunch of our staff uh, resigned. We went through a church split, which was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and, to recommend and it. Such a good example for Jesus and uh, the culture. Um, but that's what happened. It was real. It went down. And so now we have uh, a whole new staff, and the, the people who left uh, went and started their own church, which um, 
I hope they found freedom in that. And I hope that they uh, are able to express what they believe in their own platforms. And that's okay. But this is how we want to express <laughs> what we believe on this platform and, and other ways on social media and just even in our sermons and all that stuff. But um, so today we're just going to take a moment so you can meet the new staff. And I, we know that there's a lot going on with the coronavirus and, and all that stuff, but there's so much information about that. Uh, we just kind of wanted to make this a little more lighthearted. Um, and we will be releasing some more podcasts throughout the next coming weeks, um, just since people have some downtime. And um, we're going to cover a wide range of topics. We're going to cover a wide range of guests. And again, our goal is to be able to have good conversation um, in a healthy way. And so let me introduce you to our brand new staff who's going to be frequently on these podcasts. Uh, first off is... Susanna Chambra. Hello, hello. What's up, girl? So, um, I guess I'll start off by telling you a little bit about myself. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we know you. <laughs> that was in the we notes. Okay, yeah. we're on your case. Tell us, tell us your story. <laughs> um, all right. So, I grew up in a very conservative Russian family. Uh, my family immigrated here from the Soviet Union in '89, and. So when I when I went to kindergarten, I actually I was born in America. Only my oldest brother was born overseas. And I how many even brothers know. and sisters do you have? Oh man, <laughs> I have six. So I have two older brothers. I'm number three, and then there's the rest of them. And <laughs> they don't count. <laughs> Just kidding. They don't. Typical middle no, child. No. They Some don't matter. Mixed in around there. So three yeah. brothers and three sisters. Um, when I went to kindergarten, I actually didn't know how to uh, speak English, but just like kids, you know, they learn fast and it took three weeks before I was preferably speaking English. So, um, that's still debatable, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) we've listened to your phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, let's see. How did you, like you said, you grew up in a very conservative type of church. What does that mean? It was very, so it was like Pentecostal, but it was, had a lot of like Orthodox culture in it. So married women had to wear head coverings, and um, the church I grew up in, men and women sit on separate sides of the church. Amen. <laughs> oh, wait, what? So, oh. you know, the men are oh. distracted. Mm. Um, Coming soon to Zootown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're, we are Orthodox now, so. Yeah, but it was it was definitely different. I Since I grew up with older brothers, I definitely always try to be one of the boys. And so my whole life, my dad's always like, no. You can't. You're a girl. And even when I worked at the um, at the Russian church as a photographer, if I'd reach out my hand to for a handshake, they would literally deny me and be like, "No, you're a woman." Ooh, wow. Yeah. So, and this wasn't. This was like after I left too. So I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, knowing you, that didn't sit well. <laughs> um, I was like shocked because I kind of since I've left that church, I kind of forgot like a lot of things that you know went down or with like the difference between the men and a woman, man and woman. And so, yeah. So when it happened, I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is still like happening. So, wow. but I, um, I'm married. I have three kids and I have a great, great husband. We're actually Ukrainian technically. Um, and he came over, he was born overseas and came as a refugee as well. So my parents were refugees. Wow. Um, there was a, why, why did they have to flee? There was, at the time, there was persecution against Christians. So um, I know my, my father-in-law, he was actually just 
straight up stabbed coming out of church. Wow. wow. And um, but they but they're that's like extreme. But the, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, <laughs> that's extreme situation. But for example, my mom, what they did with Jews and Christians was they wouldn't let them go to school or like finish school, so they wouldn't let them get like a higher education. So when my mom, they were gathering secretly at the time, and um, officers came to the home, and my mom was on like the worship team, so she was playing. She played piano and she sang. And she ran away, and she just ran out the back door barefoot um, because her teacher, who really liked her, was like, please don't get caught. Please, you just don't do it anymore. Like, just believe it in your heart, but don't don't gather. And sure enough, the next day when she was at school, the officers came to the school. They let Jeez. her teacher know, and she had to do night classes after wow. that. So, wow. But at least they let her do the night classes. Usually, <clears throat> it's like completely... Like, you're not allowed to pretty much go to college. So they wanted us to have a better life. My oldest brother was born there. So they're like, we, you know, we don't want our kids going through this. We want them to be successful in life. So they came to America. Wow. How'd you guys get to Missoula then? Because you were born in Sacramento. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, um, my dad uh, has a hard time getting along with family. So got in a really big fight with everyone. He's like, I'm leaving and he found Montana. So, Don't moved, they all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we moved. I was I was five when I moved here. So I grew up mostly here. And there's like a Russian community here too. So So how did you uh get to Zootown Church? I mean, you survived. You survived Ooh, the split. Yeah. How, <laughs> um oh man. Uh, I don't without know. too much personal okay. information. Um so how I started, I guess how I worked, how I'm like working here. Is that what you want to know? Sure. Besides so us during the whole, out an application. <laughs> <laughs> when everything was like going down, I just had just a feeling. I was like, something's off. Um, I was in a home group with some of the pastors who, who left. And so right away when it was brought up, I had this like uneasiness and I couldn't shake it. I don't, I was, I was not even friends with you at the time. And I was actually there like friends and there were people I confided in. And so I could tell something was off. So I just prayed about it. Finally, um, we had a big conversation about it and it went just, it went south. And I was like, this is not restorative. This is not from God. Like, and Ever since I started volunteering here, what, five years ago, I was like, I think I'm going to work here someday. <laughs> so you're a prophetess? That's cool. I think, yeah. <laughs> that's what I like to That's what I like to say, at least. <laughs> um, Don't question her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, at the time, actually, the spring before, it was the summer when it all went down, um, my husband and I were like, you know what? We're moving to California. That's it. So he put in, um, he's a respiratory. You hated your family? Like no. Your dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually just missed our family. And um, we actually honestly missed com- the community, the re- like the Russian community there at least. And yeah, we kind of just wanted to get back to that. And Dimitri applied for his California RT license. And we just kept having problems after problems. And we thought we were going to be out by 
the end of the summer, at least. I had I'm a photographer, so I had weddings booked up to September. So I'm like, we'll get a job. You can go there, work, and I'll just come back for these weddings. Um, it just wasn't happening. Uh, for some reason, we kept calling. We're like, where is the license? It was only supposed to be six weeks. Six months go by, and um, that's when everything kind of started to fall apart here. And I just had this feeling. I was like, I don't know why I feel like I'm supposed to stay but we, I was fighting it and I kept pushing through. So in August we went to visit and we told everyone, cause I was trying to proclaim it myself. Like we're moving, we're coming here, everyone, we're coming back, be ready. I'm, you know, nothing's, you know, it's like nothing changed. That's like when Christians say, I'm never going to be a missionary in Africa. And then, <laughs> God, then God sends them to Africa. <laughs> oh man. That's uh, why I always say I'm never going to be a missionary in Maui. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the Maldives. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, and so then when I saw that the production manager, I had no idea what the production manager, I cannot do what Dan here does, we don't by the we way. We don't really know what Dan does. <laughs> when but. I read the online description, I was like, eh. But so was, I put in my resume for that job initially. And then when I heard that Dan was hired, I was like, that's when I went to California. And I was like, okay, well, it's not happening. So I guess um, we're going to do this. And then I there was things brought up about Scott. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take their word for it. I'm just going to straight up ask Scott. So I texted him. Um, and I was like, yes. And I was like, I have these two questions for you. And he's like, how about, uh, I give you a call and we'll talk. And I was like, okay, we talked for an hour, hour and a half, almost. Um, my husband was there with me because we were both, we were both in the home group and we wanted to know what was up. And then after that, I was like, okay, um, you know, I, I see how everything went down. And I noticed a lot of ways they were describing you. I was like, ooh, that sounds a little bit like me, <laughs> but you guys <laughs> like me. <laughs> well, yeah, for our audience, we're both type eight Enneagrams, so yes. we're drivers. <laughs> yes, we're type eight. So I was honestly, uh, sometimes they were describing, I was like offended. I was like, what? That's I'm, me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. And then finally I got the interview for the job. And after my first interview, I, th- I, th- I thought it went, it went okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, it went all right. yeah. and after that first, um, interview, I came home and in the mail was Dimitri's RT license. And Dimitri took it out and we like looked at it and we were just silent. We like looked at each other. We're like, we kind of knew you like, we were waiting for this for like eight months. And all of a sudden it was like, this is not what we're supposed to do. But we're like, Hey, if we get this job, if I get this job, then we stay. If I don't, we go. Hmm. And so then you guys hired me because of my great personality. That's, yeah. <laughs> we're like, we need someone to fight with Scott. Like, that's why we did it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Scott needs someone to fight with also. Yes, so, yes. Well, we're glad you're here. Love you. Glad that uh, you listen to the Holy Spirit. So yeah. next guy, brand new, is our production manager slash worship leader slash I'm just a lot of stuff, man. You just do a lot of stuff. And his name is Dan DeLong. He is Hi. our second ginger on staff. <laughs> so that's good. Um, but tell us, uh, tell us a little about yourself, land. man. Uh, well, you know, I have a very similar 
upbringing, you know, to Ukraine and all that stuff. I was born in <laughs> Billings. So, uh, I yeah. consider you a yeah. refugee if you I had know. to leave Billings. <laughs> so beat that. Susanna. Yeah, Billings um, is bad. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've I've lived, you know, essentially in Montana my whole life. Um, I went to uh, Bible college in Australia, came back. What school? Uh, Hillsong. Heard of it. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. It's a, <laughs> is that like a, it's a new thing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really What's new. Hillsong? Not very That's many cool. people have heard oh, of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If most people in the world don't know what Hillsong is. Ooh, I, that's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, How was that experience? Oh, it was great. Yeah, I still, yeah, even as uh, as my beliefs and um, ideas about theology and God have changed, I still look back at those a uh, couple years there uh, as a great experience, and I wouldn't trade them. So I loved it over there. I had, for a while, thought I'd move back. Um, Again, can't get missionary to Sydney, Australia, but oh well. Um, yeah, and uh, came back and worked uh, at a church here in town for 10 years and um, went through a, I don't know, it's not a deconstruction, just a theological shift over the course of four or five years. Uh, I pointed back to when I had my, uh, when Brandy and I had our first son, Asher, my whole idea about who God was started to change. and In what way? Uh, just the understanding of what it means to be a father hmm. and um, not being able to reconcile that with what I used to think God was like. And uh, when God is continually described as father or Abba or whatever, uh, I just thought that doesn't equate anymore. Um, so I... A lot of things shifted, a lot of um, ways I read the Bible changed, and as a result, uh, it uh, separated myself uh, from the lead pastor at the church that we were in, and so we had a bunch of conversations uh, around the same time that the split was happening here, and uh, which led to a, um, a parting of ways for us, and so ironically enough, around like within a day of it all happening here. Um, so you got to tell the story about you and me not seeing each other. And yeah. So, so Scott, uh, his house was like right behind the church. Yeah. I live right behind <laughs> your church. And we like hadn't seen each other out and about in like years, years. <laughs> which yeah. is just crazy. Cause like you'd think you'd bump into each other. You're literally within the, 200 feet yeah. most of the time. Um, and we hadn't seen each other forever. And we were just starting down uh, this this road of these conversations, which for me took a uh, month and a half, two months. And uh, and we we bumped into each other at uh, um, at a gas station out in East Missoula. And a famous gas station. <laughs> yeah. There's always something Scary. weird happening yeah. at that gas station. <laughs> the Olies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it just is just kind of crazy. You're like, oh, you know, we're both reading um, Brad Jersak's book, uh, A More Christ-Like God, and I'm reading this feeling like he's putting words to the things that I've thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and Scott, you're like, hey, what do you what do you think about this book? Because Brad Jersak was coming into town, and uh, and like, man, I 
I think I'm in. <laughs> and so I honestly had no idea where he was at. So I'm thinking he's like, he's going to tell me, well. Well, and then you said, I heard you, you looked at me and you go, I heard you're in some trouble. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And you yeah. go, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just said, I, I didn't know all the story of what was going on here, what was up. I just knew things were kind of shaky. And so I said that. And he's like, yeah. You know, we're, and you said something along the lines of, you're not alone. Yeah. And, which was very encouraging because it felt like for a while it's just on an island. For sure. And, uh, you know, uh, Mark and I, who you, you'll meet here in a second, um, I'm coming. We had had lots of conversations <laughs> and um, over the course of a couple of years, and and then about that time he was he was getting on board too, <laughs> and uh, kicking and screaming. Yeah, that's right. yeah. <laughs> and so finally, I had somebody else to confide in. But for a long time, it just felt like yeah, there's I'm by by myself here, and yeah. So then we started talking, getting together, just talking about you know what we're all going through, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, which I ended up losing my job. On, Do you on, want to set the record straight? Were you fired or did you quit? I was fired. Um, to be fair, I, I had said from the very beginning that I would brought up the conversations with our lead pastor and knowing that that was a real possibility, uh, just based on the fact that, um, you know, we were, we were all kind of in the assemblies of God. That's where my... Um, pastoral license was through. That's where his pastoral license was through. And I knew the Assemblies of God probably wasn't keen on all of these theological ideas. And so bringing them up meant that I could possibly lose my job. And um, and I just had told our the lead pastor that he was going to have to make the decision and that I was not going to, I wasn't just going to go because I felt like these were, uh, I felt like I was finally starting to see God clearly and i wanted to be able to help people and uh if he felt like that was that our ideas were too far apart that was fine but he was gonna have to make that call and so he did um he told me i don't know it was uh wow we're getting close to a year at this point it was right um it was just a few weeks after easter so uh, he had said, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to make this work. He wanted to make it work, but... Uh, and you did too. I yeah, remember I talking did. to you about it. You were willing to overlook yeah, certain things for the sake of unity. Yeah. And I, and I still feel like that, that, you know, we can all have different um, ways of reading the Bible as long as we are key on Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can be good and we can work together and, you know, we're still all for a common goal of um, telling people about Jesus. Yeah. Still want to do that. But the gospel is the same for every denomination. <laughs> it really is. You know, we we divide over a lot of things, but the truth is we still want everybody to know who Jesus is. Yeah. So um anyways, that that ended. I went home and uh told my wife and it was just it, the timing of stuff, it like it sucked for sure. But the timing was just crazy because I had my in-laws in town, which really helped uh my wife and I kind of process that. And we had a uh, scheduled a, a trip to go to, uh, we call it our Wyoming tour because I have a bunch of family in Wyoming and we go see mm. on, see everybody. That sounds like yeah. quite the tour. Yeah, <laughs> you have to travel through Billings. Oh, Billings isn't that bad. <laughs> I, uh, I lived there for a year. It's all I right. like it's Billings. All right. I like Billings. <laughs> Brian Head Welch thought it was beautiful. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> 
but we ended up being able to go and be out there for 10 days and, and process and figure out what we're doing. Meanwhile, I text you and or Scott and Ty and, um, and say, you know, Hey guys, lost my job. And, uh, I get a text back like, Hey, we should talk. <laughs> and, uh, little did I know that at the same time was when these guys were, um, turning in their resignations. And so, which terrible thing to go through for sure. Um, but opened up a way for us to kind of join together and do this together. And, um, just can't believe the timing of it. It was so, I don't know if ordained is the right word, but just, it was part of God's timing is to get us in the right place at the right time. And like you say, what what are the odds of stuff like that happening all at the same time? Yeah. And a few months later, we started on board here and been loving it ever since and working on, you know, reconciliation with some people and, and, uh, that's going to be a long process, I think, but that's where we're at. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Next up is Mark. You were alluded to earlier by <laughs> Dan. So you guys were working together. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Um, well, I, I grew up in Spokane, but moved to Missoula in uh, 2000 and um, kind of moved here kicking and screaming, but after about six months... I uh, couldn't imagine any other place being home. I uh, just really got excited about everything that was going on. But I uh, pull up my nerd card for a minute. Um, <clears throat> I was in a singing Please group <laughs> in an acapella, like barbershop quartet type thing. And uh, in here or in Spokane? Here. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was there was this. We kept going around to the different areas, like Pulson, and uh, have like these little gigs. And one day I got a call from um, one of the guys in the group, and he said that uh, the guy who organized our group, his son had died in a car accident. And so he was asking if we would come sing at the funeral. And I meant getting out of school, so I went, and it was over at uh, CLC, and there was like a 1,000 people that showed up to this kid's funeral. And um, I just remember his dad on stage. I never even met Trevor, uh, this, his son, but... Um, he was on stage and he said, he's like, if my son's life or death affected one person for Christ, that's a sacrifice that I'm willing to make. And wow. in the moment, I just, the Holy Spirit said, is like, even if it'd been you, if it was just you, he's like, I still would have died on the cross. And, uh, I knew in that moment, I was like, I'm, I'm never looking back. I'm, I'm chasing after Jesus with everything that I have. And so, um, started going to church. I uh, went to youth group, went to Seattle to a, a, a college called Master's Commission, which was essentially just kind of a, a two-year-long discipleship, pretty intense program where we would study the Bible, but then we would spend the second half of the day going out and try to figure out ways that we can actually put it into practice, like help people, love people, talk to Jesus, or talk to people about Jesus. Um, and so it was, it was an amazing, amazing time and, and set a lot of groundwork for me for my faith and um, moved around a little bit, um, did some different things, but eventually wound up in uh, 2008 coming back to Missoula, uh, got married to my amazing wife. And at the literally the week after we got back from our honeymoon is when uh, um, that same church that Dan was talking about that we worked at, uh, we planted 
and um, they waited till we got back to do the first service. And so we were part of getting that thing going, but it was, it was just kind of a, a really unique time to be able to put, you know, that passion that was there into helping people within the Missoula community, East Missoula, um, and just doing our best to show the love of God. So, um, but yeah, I think through that, I master's commission as well as where I first started going to church were, um, assemblies of God and had a, a very specific perspective on the Bible. And um, Dan and I, it was like, he said he's been kind of going through this for about, uh, had been going through it for about four or five years, this, this deconstruction. And um, he was nice enough to say that we would have chats, but uh, they were more <laughs> debates. Yeah. And and I was... That's all right. That's orthodox, <laughs> man. <laughs> they made my wife really uncomfortable. A healthy I, debate is good. It's we, been going on for 2,000 years. And, and I would say it was like he was probably the, the one person that I ever felt like I, I had a healthy debate with. Mm. Um, too many people would want to attack. And uh, and there were times, I mean, like we would, we would go at each other um, with perspective, with scripture. And, and I was a guy that was constantly trying to prove him that he was wrong and and i was i felt i was pretty good at it too uh <laughs> <laughs> like, debatable yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was so i felt like i was crushing you I, the whole time in the name of jesus <laughs> no, I, I was so <laughs> how'd you get here then <laughs> well, that's, yeah. uh, interesting enough is like uh, it it wasn't anything that I anticipated. I had started, um, I've always been more of a teacher. And so um, I had been listening to a message uh, at church that was oddly enough on generosity and tithing. And uh, and it hit me really, like I'd, I've been tithing, you know, for most of my Christian walk. And, and this message hit me so hard that I, I wanted to dive deeper into it and get to study it more. And one of the things that I learned and while I was exploring that was the true meaning of a blessing and a cursing. And for the longest time, I'd always looked at a blessing as being something where God blesses me, and if I do something wrong, then he curses me. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 32, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's how the Old Testament viewed everything God sure. did. So all of a sudden, it was like I was now looking at it in a different perspective to say, like, maybe it isn't that God's blessing me or cursing me, but... A curse is actually just the absence of the blessing. That if I follow what he's saying in certain areas, then I'm going to see a blessing in my life. Yeah. But if I don't do it, then I'm essentially bringing a curse on myself. No pressure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and in that light, it was the first time that I'd ever had a view of God that wasn't um, disciplinarian in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so then January of 2019, um, I was counseling somebody and... In that moment, like she was telling me about her past and how she couldn't let it go, and and I, I asked a question um, that was simply, you know, who's holding your sin against you? Um, and because it was those that same idea that the the things that she was, the actions that she'd been taking was what was bringing that curse into her life. Yeah. And so I was like, God's already forgiven you. So hold, who's holding that sin against you? And as soon as I asked that question, like the Holy Spirit just clear as day whispered in my ear. 
my bad ear. I can't hear out of my left ear. Uh, <laughs> that's what's weird. So wait, when, which ear? The- when, no, like literally, it's like whenever I hear the Holy Spirit, like just like I know it's crystal clear. It's I hear it out of my left ear, and I can't hear out of my left oh, ear. Wow, it is odd. <laughs> that's cool. So that's how I knew. <laughs> and uh, he just goes, "Yeah, who is that?" I'm gonna start whispering into your left ear. <laughs> <laughs> but in in that moment, like he he was basically asking me, he's like, who's holding my sin against me? And I I went through this entire, like just unpacking in my mind of all this time, my entire life, I thought God was the one who was holding my sin against me. And in that split second moment, I realized I was the one who was holding it against me. Mm. And uh, I remember just kind of looking at the lady that I was doing counseling with and I was like, I got to go. And Stood up, <laughs> got up, walked away, and, and got in the car, and I called Dan. And uh, I was like, hey, bro, uh, I think I just got saved again. <laughs> <laughs> or, or were you saved the first time, yeah. <laughs> as <laughs> we have all heard in church? <laughs> so it for me, it was, it was um, literally just a moment um, and kind of compared to like um, – Saul riding to Damascus on his donkey is like, I mean, Holy Spirit showed up and was like, uh, you're different now. And from that perspective change, uh, Dan and I started having a lot of conversations. Um, and the same thing is like, he told me is like about the book. And what was cool is in the midst of that, I'm, I also do real estate. And um, I went to a supervising broker class to get this endorsement. And it, this was while everything was going on. And Ty was in the same supervising broker mm. class. Mm. And so Ty is our uh executive pastor here at Zootown if you don't know that. <laughs> Which you don't if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but so him and I went out to lunch together and and we were just sitting we were talking and and kind of going through stuff and it was it was just amazing to like see that this this wasn't just something that was isolated like um to to where Dan and I were at but um the what was going on here at Zootown and and not just there, but like Brad Jersick's book and all these other guys, like it, it, it really just started to bring some comfort to say like, you're not alone and the Holy Spirit really is doing something. Um, so for me, it's like, I knew, um, based on the conversations that Dan and I had been a part of, uh, that if it, there, there was like one thing that I said that was slightly different in those meetings, um, which apparently was okay enough for me to have stayed on, but I knew. Um, but if it was severe enough for, for him to be let go, then I was going to have to leave too. And so the day after, um, his last day, I, uh, asked the lead pastor out to coffee and I handed him my letter of resignation and I'm like, you know, it's big enough difference for him. It's a big enough difference for me. Yeah. And so, um, I didn't, I, I knew that there was obviously things happening here, but, um, it wasn't a matter of like. I feel like I'm gonna leave there to come here. It was, I'm, I'm Dan came. Down. I have to go to with Dan. Yeah, Dan. Sorry, I gotta follow Dan. We're homies. Yeah, so. it's a bromance going on totally. over here. So, I mean, just hit a pause for a second. Funny thing is, uh, Dan and I were in the same youth group, and we hated each other. Wow. Yeah, like, biggest enemies. Like huge like if really? he would say something i would disagree with him just on principle <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true that one point 
old view of God. I told him I hated him so much that I was probably going to go to hell, and I was okay with that to hold on to my hate. <laughs> wow. So wow. that's like deep Old Testament right there. Like, <laughs> So I guess the, the moral of that is that, you know, God really will redeem anything. And it's like, true. I mean, he's been best friend for 10 years now. So, yep. Wow. Wow. Um, Actually, 11 years? Wow. Yeah. Time flies. When's your guys' anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a special bromance. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, where do, you, yeah. where do you guys go on that day? Uh, uh, I just remember the day we were playing Mario Brothers. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> as grown adults. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eating brownies. <laughs> what kind of brownies? Yeah. <laughs> Peanut butter? Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I didn't even mention that Mark is our uh, like communications director. He runs our tribes, which is our groups. Or wait, what's your job? What is your job? Connections, Connections director. Sorry, <laughs> communication. Oof. We don't know what Mark does <laughs> at all. But yeah, so it's cool just to see everyone's stories like kind of come together, but still through Jesus too. Yeah. You yeah. know, and like you said, and as I said at the beginning, even you know we talked about like Brad Jerzak, but sometimes I think we make it about a person too. Like we're just talking about a book, but I I hate talking about a person sometimes because then people can scapegoat that person. And what do they do? They go look up YouTube videos and all kinds of stuff when it's, it's, it's the Bible. It was the Bible, you know, it, it, for me, it was, and as you guys have heard me say, like, I don't like the word deconstruction. Um, I get it. It was like a trendy word and all that, but I've always considered it like rebuild or remodel. You know, it's like you have the house and the cornerstone is always Jesus. You know, every house has a foundation and that's, that never left any of us with Jesus, but there were just some boards that were up that needed to come down. And it's not like deconstruction always likes to say like everything comes down, but I think Christ always puts something back up in its place. And, So that's kind of how mine was. Mine was really just, and that's where I struggle when people just say that, like, well, they they read one book and then everything <laughs> changes. And I'm like, that's not how it happens. Yeah, that is yeah. not how yeah. this happens. Like most people will read a few chapters and then disagree with it and put it down. And I'm like, yeah. that's, that's not how this went down. Like right. this was the Bible. This was the scriptures. This was the whole flow of scripture. Um, and we'll do a whole podcast on this, like just with Jesus being the word of God. Uh, yeah. But I mean, mine was Dallas Willard. I mean, a very, very yeah. conservative, you know, welcomed part of the evangelical community is Dallas Willard. But when you really read the divine conspiracy and some of his stuff, like you see that he was, he was actually outside the fringe on a yeah. lot of those yeah. things, but he was just considered a genius, you know, so everyone accepted it. But that was, that was the book that really got me thinking about it. And what's funny is I read that book at a very conservative Bible college where I got my degree from. So they allowed that book Mm. out of, you know, an evangelical Bible college. But that was the one after I reread it 10 years later, that was the one that really turned the corner for me. Um, And so obviously, you know, we all have made uh, changes and what we believe, but and I mean, we all believe Christ more, like yeah. we believe in Jesus For more sure. yeah. than we did before. And I think that's what so many people misunderstand when it comes to remodel or deconstruction sure. or whatever you want to call it. And um, I think that's where it just gets so divisive when you can't even sit down and really 
dig in. And, and like I said, it was the scripture wars, right? Like you, you throw out one scripture, then I throw out one scripture oh, yeah. and they don't really agree with each other. And then it's just like, you pick one that you agree with. And it's right. like yeah. that you have to always have Jesus as that center. And, and Susanna, like you, I mean, you've, like you said, you grew up Russian Orthodox or Pentecostal, whatever. And you yeah, had I went some, way to the other side yeah, like, where I started. <laughs> but I mean, you've, you've had a pretty good pendulum swing too, in a lot of areas yeah. while keeping, you know, the foundation. So what was that kind of like for you? Well, I kind of had my epiphany when I was pregnant with my first son. So I was pretty deep into Calvinism and I know like Mars Hill church was all big then. And I was always listening to, uh, Mark Driscoll and, then I started praying. How dare you? I know. <laughs> Remember when and he then, yelled at that at his congregation? <laughs> so I named my first son. His name is Augustine. Which is a great name. It's a, it's a it, sweet I love name. it. So I'm kind of glad I had that Calvinism kind of part in my life so I could name him that. Uh, and I just started praying. I was like, God, don't give me children unless they're saved. And hmm. so, and all of a sudden, I still named him Augustine, but that's when things started to turn for me because even with my next pregnancy, I have three kids. So I was like, okay, God save him. And I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I, you know, and I was like, this is, this cannot be how it is where, you know, I'm like, don't give me kids unless they're saved. Yeah. I, you know, so that's when things started to turn for me, but it was very private. Uh, I was very open and loud about my Calvinism. So, Most Calvinists are. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Yes. <laughs> and, we are too. We are too. And I'm just with joking. me being an eight. Um, everything it, always goes back. Yeah. We can blame everything <laughs> on us being an eight. So when, it, when things started to turn, I was very quiet about it. And I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And even during this whole past summer, it was me and my sister-in-law who we used to hate each other a lot. And we started getting along the last two years and slowly sharing um, these theological points. But, and finally we just like both come out. We're like, uh, this is what <laughs> I believe. believe yeah. Which and is it so just, sad. Yeah. It's so sad that you know. Christians feel so afraid yeah. to even kind of talk about some of that stuff, mm. you know? And there's still things I'm working working through where I still I'm still I'm constantly learning, and so um, that's how. So it's nice having all you guys around to be honest to even talk about things. That's what we do at work is we bring something up, and usually for me it's like so women in church. And we're like no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is it okay for me to do this? Can I pray for someone? <laughs> yeah, we're like. <laughs> Um, Blessings and curses. Yeah. Only. So I was like scared to lay my hands on people. So just even helping me. Especially now. Yes. With the Deconstruct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just working through those kind of things. I feel like I never worked through all those um, religious things that I went through and I am now. <laughs> so thanks for like putting up with me oh, when it comes to it. that. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Like that's, like I said, theology was the reason you lost your job. So how did... How'd you get here? How'd that... I mean, it's not just a book. No, you know? no. Like I said, I mean, and it's... I I so hate giving caveats of like, I felt like you get to that point where you go, well, we don't agree with everything. Uh, I hate that. That's I like, hate that. That's Here's like a book, but just thing. know, I don't agree with everything. Yeah. You can do that with yeah. anybody, right? Right. Yeah. Like nobody, 
nobody would do that if you had a, a Joyce Meyer book on your bookshelf. And yeah. I always said that. And I'm like, but you don't agree with everything, you know, regardless of what camp you're in or if you're in a camp or whatever. Um, but so the reading Jerzak's book, like, and I read uh, Divine Conspiracy right before that too. And um, and that but, was because you listened to our podcast, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah. you heard yeah, us talk said, about it with uh, it, Brian Zahn. Yeah, yep. And so I, um, I'd heard Brian Zahn and I'd heard uh, a couple other guys saying that they kept pointing back to that Dallas Willard book. And I was like, okay, well, there's there must be something to this. So read that one. Um, and yeah, he, he is very conservative on a lot of things, even still in that book. But there's... Uh, there's just a, like a openness about who God is and just pointing it back to Jesus. And and that's what I kept seeing is that it wasn't that these books were shifting anything in me. It was just that I was finding that there was a community of people that thought what I was starting to believe about um, as it came from reading more scripture. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that was the thing that people kept trying to pin on me was that, oh, you know, you're throwing out the Bible. I'm like, I've actually never read the Bible more More. than I've read it. And I just figured I have to reconcile some of this stuff. It can't all fit in this box the way I used to think it fit because it just starts caving in on itself. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't shift the way I read scripture, I'm going to be done because it doesn't make sense anymore. Because if you can't work through those things... And then you're shamed for not, you know, for yeah. trying to work through those yeah. things. Yeah. The alternative is to run. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you just you you're just done with it. You're yeah. like, if I can't, you know, have some sort of mental, you know, breakdown of all of this, I'm literally going to have a mental breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I, the thing is, I couldn't get away from Jesus, and that was the problem. I was like, I, <laughs> like Jesus, like, Jesus. It's like Jesus wouldn't leave me alone, and so I'm like. I can't reconcile how reading the Bible the way I used to read the Bible, but I also can't leave Jesus. So how do I do that? And it just started changing the way I looked at all of Scripture and and re- realizing that this the Scriptures that I wanted to hold on to were the ones that talked about Jesus being the fullness of who God is. Yeah. And reading everything through that lens shifted my whole uh, theology. And then you get to a book like A More Christ-Like God or, or um, Dallas Willard's book, Divine Conspiracy, and you're like, oh, other people are doing this. In fact, people have been doing this for a really, really long time, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's not something that's even relatively new. <laughs> it's been around forever. Yeah. It's been around a lot longer than the tradition that I grew up in was. Yeah. And so I, then I felt like, oh, I have a community of people that, have wrestled with this same stuff and I don't have to be alone anymore. And so, yeah, you, you read some of that stuff and you're like, thank God that this is available and you hand it to somebody and you say like, this is kind of a lot of the the things that I've been wrestling with and they, they get to decide what they want to do with that. But the problem is it's super hard to just make the jump to go from this really conservative thought, read a book and that's where you know it wouldn't work for you yeah. to do that. Like it wouldn't have worked for me ten years ago. If I would have read, I would have written it off just as much as probably any of the uh, other people would. But have. that's because there's like these gatekeepers. Like, yeah. yeah, here's the approved books. Yeah, 
like here's the here's the approved preachers here's you know and it's always from the certain top dogs you know sure and now that's those that gate's done like yeah. there's no there's no yeah. gatekeepers anymore which can be good and bad by the way yeah for sure but for sure so and that's that's how we ended up you know here so and we're still still working through stuff and I actually I still love having conversations with people who are I feel like conservative is the wrong term yeah because we don't like to be labeled either yeah, yeah. but who are a part of maybe the tradition that I, I grew up in. Because I actually really like it when they'll throw out a scripture and say, what do you do with this one? Or what do you do with that one? Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me because I want to figure out what I do instead of just writing it off mm-hmm. and being like, well, I don't have, I, I don't know, it's fine. Uh, I had a friend I met with for coffee a few weeks ago and he's like, well, there's this passage in Jude. What do you do with that? And so I'm like, huh, I'll go look Better into look it. Better look it up. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and he mentioned a passage that even Jesus said in Matthew. And I'm like, what do you do with that? I'm like, well, let's go look at it. Um, and I really enjoy doing that as long as... So I almost want... It's weird because you kind of want people to maintain that to challenge you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's not that I'm going to like dig my heels in on a position, but it's find how do you interpret that, yeah. you know? And, so and where I'm, do you look t- to interpret it? Meaning... You, you know, we have all these people from our generation, you know, 2000s and everything. And we look to a lot of these older guys who are yeah. love God, I mean, have yeah. successful churches, everything. But then you start looking at like the early church fathers. Right. And you're like, how is this so different? Right. When, and how did we get here? You know, it's just, is this an Americanized version? And then you go down that rabbit trail and it, sure. it just, it is different. You're like, how are these guys one generation off the apostles? And they're literally saying something completely different than my study Bible, yeah. like my commentary in my study Bible. Yeah. You know, I sometimes think it's like the people have well intentions, like really good intentions towards um, adding adding things, you know, they see a, they see a problem in the church and they go, here's a way we can address it. Yeah. And in the in that first setting, it makes sense because they're like, "Oh, we can we can work through this problem if we just do this." But then it it gets added to scripture and it gets added to our belief system, and then more and more things get added and more and more things get added, and then it's we're so far removed from where it started, yeah, and it's not even addressing the thing that it was addressing to begin with, but it's what our the generation before us and the generation before that and the generation before that started compiling and now we're now we're in this place where we don't know where what was added and what was at the beginning until you go back to the yeah. to the church fathers and and the people who were right there seeing what Jesus had to say yeah and even one of the things for me was even recognizing when someone I don't remember who the guy was but he said, you need to remember Jesus. Oh, it's N.T. Wright. Jesus was talking to that audience. Yeah. Right? And he's N.T. Wright's probably the best-known New Testament scholar in the world at this right. point. And he, I, that opened my mind up so much because we so want to personalize some of these things. And even the parables, right? We're like, okay, we take our farming, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you see, we take our farming knowledge of America or whatever, and we take that into that parable. And 
Jesus was staring right at that audience, speaking those things to that audience who knew all the culture, all the background, everything. And that that completely changed my world yeah. and just how you even read Jesus and what he was saying. And I'm not saying it's not truth. Right. I'm just saying it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> you right. Know? And so, Mark, what was, you know, just your kind of story with all that and like, how did you... Where are you at now? Like, how do you feel? I mean, obviously, we all have a sense of freedom, but yeah, I, I think um, the the big change for me in that moment was coming really to a place where it's, it it is just Jesus. Um, that God is exactly like Jesus, and trying to understand. What, Which it says so many times right. in the New Testament, yeah. <laughs> right? But it becomes so easy for me to ignore that and and to say is like that God is exactly like every single story in the Old Testament, um, and so to to start to come back and say is like I, I need to read that through the lens of Jesus first, and in doing that, I I really did start to find um, just freedom, like like a, a peace about the way that I I would read anything else. Um, the, it, it became so much easier even just to see Jesus in, in any book that I read or any movie that I watched. Um, it, he, he was always there and I started to find like, um, healing for a lot of past hurts that I had dealt with. And the, the more that I would read other books, it like what Dan was saying, it was like, it was more of just somebody else's verbalizing what I was already thinking and feeling and experiencing at that point. Um, and so over, I mean, over the, the couple of weeks in between when I was uh, working at the church and, and started interviewing here at Zootown, I remember um, the open table conference was going on and, and just being asked to run sound for it. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't even really know what else was going on. I was like, yeah, you know, I know that these guys hang out with Brad Jersak and I liked his book. So sure, I'll go check it out. And, and I went and, um, I just remember like hearing about from some really incredible minds. Uh, it was Baxter Kruger was there. Um, Paul Young was there and, and just hearing about their perspective, what they thought. And it wasn't that it was like molding what I was thinking. It was really just kind of helping me to start ask more questions. And, and the more that I, like, I was still like teaching a, a Bible study during that time. And it was so interesting trying to teach this thing because I would read the passage and I would stop like after two verses. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like listen to what somebody else is saying. And then I would, as I'm doing that, I'm reading the scripture and I'm, I'm doing a completely different perspective on something that I'd taught for years. And to see it come alive in a brand new light of who Jesus is and who the father is and what his love looked like. And, and the Holy spirit working in me, it was like, it was revelatory. Um, every single time that I opened the Bible, it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. It was like of reading it for the first time almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what was different. Exactly. It, it, it was like, how did I read this for so long and miss it? And that's Luke eight, man. Luke eight, when Jesus says, you know, those who are open will be given more and those who are closed, what they have will be taken from them. Like he was just saying, like, these are the secrets to the kingdom of God. You know, yeah. they're not surface level, literal things. You start there, you know, and sure. that's how the early church, that's how they did it. They said, you start at the literal, you move to the moral, and then you end up at the spiritual. Like, mm. 
And so, of course, like, just like any kid, you know, you give them the rules. <laughs> you know, like, right. I'm not going to go really deep into some things of the whys with Easton yet, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think they get it even more than I think they do at times. But I think that's how reading the Bible is. I mean, yeah. that's how the early church practiced it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you were going through, you know. It's like your eyes are open differently yeah. in yeah. a whole new way. So what, uh, as we're kind of getting to close here, uh, I was, I, wanna, I was thinking like this would be good to end with what, what mistakes did we make? Like what were some mistakes that you felt like you made? Like even with your family, you were talking about like Calvinism and all that stuff. And, and you know, what were some mistakes that, that you've made in talking to people about this um, at your guys' church? I we'll one. go the other way. We'll go that <laughs> mm-hmm. way. This way. I was going to say I got one right off the right. bat. Uh, I knew. Like, like the way that I would teach and the way that I would um, do things, like I knew that I knew like what I was telling you, this, this is the truth. This is what you need to know. Which they believe too. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things where, um, I remember in the conversations that I had as I was leaving, um, the, the thing that came up a lot was, and we need to know where you've landed theologically. Yeah. And, and I, I honestly, I just came back. I was like, I have more questions now and I will have more questions Mm-hmm. and more uncertainty, I think, for the rest of my life. But the only thing that I truly know is Jesus. And so, and it's like, and, and honestly, I don't even feel like I know that very well, but I'm going to endeavor to try to just figure that out. Yeah. And so now when I'm talking with people, it's like they, there's a lot of times where they, they want to hone in, well, what do you think? Where are you at? What do you, what do you believe about this? And I was like, honestly, it's like, I feel like I have just more question marks. And so I, I would say it's like one of the biggest mistakes that I, did for 17 years was feel like I had the answer. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up then. Cause they think because you're a pastor or a leader, then you have to have the answer to all those things. And it's like, we can give you our opinion on, you know, like what we right. think. It doesn't mean, you yeah. know, it's not like we're saying Jesus wasn't the Messiah and he's God, you know, all that stuff. But that's always a tough question because I think it comes down from maybe a deep insecurity, maybe just Americans, I don't know. But like, we just want to know. Like, yeah. Yeah. We want to make sure we're all right and that we're on the right side and we're believing the right things so God accepts us. And that totally bypasses the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. God's acceptance was freely given before you even like fully understood it. You yeah. Know? And I think my, I've always come from a standpoint where my, my confidence level a lot of times comes from my knowledge. Yeah. And so it was like, before I ever really feel comfortable doing something, mm. I, I have to almost dissect it completely yeah. to know that I know what I'm doing. Um, and so there's, there's also some, uh, I don't want to say fear, but it's more like just trepidation, you know, it was like in the way that I approach um, the gospel, the way that I approach Jesus now, because I, I don't want to feel like my confidence comes from what I know. Yeah. I want my confidence to come from knowing him. Great. Yeah. That's why it's called the mysteries of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, how about you? What are some mistakes you made as you look back? I didn't make any mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think my, my biggest mistakes that I made were over the course of, uh, the year probably preceding when I left, um, our last church was just because I was so afraid to tell people what I believed. Uh, I'm not even sure if anything I said to anyone ever made any sense. 
because <laughs> it always came through like this weird filter of trying to like not be inauthentic, but also trying to kind of toe the line. Yeah, and you're still working it out too. Yeah. Like so, yeah. And so I I feel like some of the stuff I said, I wish I could have recordings of conversations I had with people because I probably just don't agree with any of the things that I said at that time. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know if the people at those churches agree with those things either because it was just kind of this weird muddle of... I was. I felt like I was in a haze all the time. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and so um, I don't think I was effective with uh, when I would counsel people and talk with people about until I could get to a place where I could feel comfortable, and I only got to there that place with a few select people, and then our conversations were very guarded. Like we're gonna sit in a room and we're gonna make sure the door is closed so that no one else can hear. Oh uh, yeah, you know. Because um, it's just so a, weird. Because you're like, do we live in China? Like, do yeah. we have to? Do <laughs> yeah. We, do we have to like go into our basements to talk about Jesus? Yeah. You know? It seems like you do sometimes with yeah. Christians. It just you do. It's, it's really, weird. I remember telling my wife at one point, like, I feel like this is the weirdest place to be in the world to be a pastor who can't tell people what he believes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, and I think at that point she realized how deep, like how. Um, crazy everything had gotten that we were in that place and so I'd um, I just felt like everything was so taxing because I didn't know how to talk with people and I didn't know how to um, do that and I'm sure that that led to hurt on for other people because they just they got all these weird conversations from somebody they felt like they could trust and I wasn't even saying things I believed you yeah. know mm. um, and so so then when the the uh, the break happened and we, we got fired and all that stuff, uh, then I think the pendulum kind of swung a little bit for a few select conversations. It was like, you know, and I would like leave teasers for people. Hey, these are something. And I think those teasers um, got out and started, turned into rumors, which yep. were not true. Just um, still sad. Because yeah. you, you're just looking at people like, don't you have a life? Like, is this what you do? Are you literally just waiting for someone to say something that you don't agree with so you can go tell someone else so then you feel comfortable that someone else agrees with you? I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. And I think that probably in the midst of uh, our great divorce uh, was... C.S. Lewis, (laughs) C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Was probably my biggest mistake was um, throwing out teasers but not having time to have real conversations with people because that just opened up ways for rumors to start. And then I felt like for months we were trying to battle rumors that I was like, "Ah, I'm not sure where that even came from, but I'm sure it came from one of those, like those conversations. Yeah. And those are, those are really hard things to have a five minute conversation about, you Mm -hmm. know, you got to sit down like, like Susanna was saying when she talked with you for an hour and a half on two questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of timeline that you have when you're trying to talk through this stuff. And, but Susanna was open to, I mean, it's so different if someone's like genuinely Mm -hmm. asking or like trying to get you. you. Yeah. They're not, (laughs) it's not a question. It's a statement. They're actually making a statement at you rather than a question. Right. So, so those are, yeah, we're just, trying to deal with all that stuff. But. How about you, Susanna? Uh, for Glory. me, <laughs> it was just more humbling. I am 
a very blunt, loud, at times aggressive person. So, <laughs> and that's what we love. About <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to sharing the gospel, I mean, even the Bible says, or even correcting someone, you're supposed to do it gently. And it's something I'm working on. And just this whole humbling experience of, you know, I, I know I hurt people for sure with things I've said when I was all Calvinist and my opinions on from, you know, suicide to somebody who was an alcoholic or it's, I'm like disgusted you know, when I think about it, yeah. the, the things I've said. So it's just, I hope, you know, people forgive me for the way it was before and that I can just be better that, and I'm, you know, for people to know that I am working on myself. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a part of growth too. Cause right now, we can, we're going to say something to someone or that's going to hurt someone or, you know, it's going to yeah. make them feel isolated or something. And then we're going to have to repent in five years too. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah. a part of the, that's part of the journey too. So yeah, my, as I've looked back now, uh, a lot of it too is just personality in the sense of like, I'm a guy that like waits and waits and waits, but once I'm in, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. Like if, if I'm into something, I'm all in. And yeah. I know that's some people's brains don't work that way and that's okay. Yeah. But then they shouldn't judge me for the way my brain works either. Like mm -hmm. that's the problem. And so like looking back, I, the thing I struggled with personally was how, again, when they say, well, you just read this book and now you're just, you're so extreme now. And I'm like, dude, this was like a six year thing. Yeah. Like this, yeah. it was like a long time of, and I was actively preaching against the things I was struggling with because yeah. that's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, personally, as a pastor, as a lead pastor to preach every week, it was super tough because you had this constant balance of knowing some people are waiting for you to say something, yeah. like waiting for it. And you, you just, I knew I couldn't win. Mm -hmm. sure. So I, there's certain sermons that I gave that were almost like nuggets to be like, like, I still believe this, you know? Yeah. And I was right. like, this is bull crap. <laughs> like, like, you know, cause I'm reading a passage being like, I, I have to preach this passage the way the Holy Spirit and Jesus are leading me to preach. Right. And it was just really tough. But, uh, one of the hardest things is then, you know, as a pastor, even just like not throwing certain things in that are divisive then because right. you're like, screw it. I can't win. So yeah. screw it. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm going to stoke this flame. And that was wrong. That was wrong. And I really think too, because I'm a guy that when I'm in, I'm all in, but I'm quick to repent too. And I'm quick to say like, I don't, I don't know, you know, yeah. that, that would have, that had to be hard on some people because it was like, okay. It went from this to this, and yeah. to them it seemed like it was like mock speed. But to me, it was like, no, this is like six years in the making. I mean, that was like with me and my wife. It was just like for a whole year she thought I was crazy or a heretic and all kinds of stuff. And all I did was pray like, Lord, we'd have conversations about it, and they didn't always go that well. But like um, it was a year of her thinking like, you're messed up, because she grew up Assemblies of God, and mm -hmm. this was some of these things were so foreign to her. But I just kept praying that the Lord would open her heart. And if whatever, if we never agreed on certain things, that we could at least have unity in Christ in that. Yeah. Um, so that was a better way than just coming out and being like, well, this is it. And you need to read this and you need to do that. This could, this should have been like, this, this could have been like a longer process before I just laid it all out. Mm -hmm. This could have been like nuggets, you know, bits and pieces. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? But 
one thing I learned then is once the tide is turned, like, as you know, it's over. Yeah. Like, it's just over. There's no, there, nope, we're not going to open the Bible. We're not going to read this. We're not even going to have this discussion. And I just, that word even dangerous to this day, when people say, mm-hmm. well, that's dangerous. I hate that word because I'm like... Yeah. Nuclear bombs are dangerous, <laughs> you know. Like a loaded gun in the hand of my son is dangerous. But talking about theological viewpoints that people have been talking about forever—that's not dangerous, you know. Because yeah. as long as you're not taking them off the love of Jesus, it's it's not dangerous. And so that word is still a trigger word to me when I hear sure. people say that. And you're um, such a snowflake. I am. I, am. <laughs> I need my safe I'm space kidding. right now. <laughs> But I definitely, I'm always trying to see other people's perspective too. And to be like in this spot, you know, and this is, you're grounded in what you believe for sure. And then something else is not just like brought up, but it's kind of like, no, this is how it's always been. And Christians have always been wrong. American Christians have always been wrong about this. Yeah, That has to blow people's minds, sure. right? Because you start questioning like all your upbringing then and all your teachers and all that, which I think is very healthy and good. But yeah. I tried to, I, I should have been more sensitive to some of those things. Like I even, I even look at some of our guests on, you know, on the podcast, like we did have like a string of the same type of people. Well, in my defense, I reached out to a ton of evangelicals and they wouldn't come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. They just right. wouldn't come on. And that's kind of one of my issues is we've created this v- veneer in evangelicalism to where like, it has to be said a certain way. It has to be, you know, like the right lingo has to be said. And so you can never really watch people open up. So that's what attracted me to like Jerzak and Zond and some of those guys was like, they were just honest. Like they just opened up like, yeah, this is where I was. And I don't know if I'm right here, but it was like, it was so much more personal and so much more real. And I just think that whole like actor pastor is gone. Like that whole like, Um, it's, it's, there's a certain group of people that like it, but I think the generation coming up and even our generation is just like, no, yeah. like, no. So it was, it was bound to happen. Cause I was with like Dan, right? Like I couldn't survive anymore. I couldn't survive not being able to really wrestle with these and talk yeah. about these. I mean, you know, hell's a big one, right? We've all yeah. talked about that, but sure. it's so like one-sided or other-sided to where it becomes just such a divisive thing and it completely distracts you from like the main thing right. in a way. I mean, that's like, you know, we'll probably do a podcast on hell someday too, but it's like, it's so weird. Like the whole book of Acts, hell is not mentioned one time in the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. Not once. So they weren't really distracted by, they were like, here's right. the good news. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is life eternal right now. Yeah. And I think just looking back, I just, I recognize that, I don't know. It's And I think here's the other thing too, is I think it comes across as, like Scott's more spiritual than people or he's figured this out and we haven't and he's in a higher plane of consciousness or whatever it is. And dude, it came through, well, you can attest, it came through night tears at night. Mm -hmm. It came through like major, major wrestling and major, like you think you're going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that fear? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but that was kind of like... Yep, totally. Yeah. And it was just... I remember coming into like meetings with Dan and, and I was like trying to convince myself out of it and so like i would go and i would search for arguments to make to him to say <laughs> it's like okay but then i read this and that doesn't work so yeah. we got to go back to the old way and he's like yeah okay well, maybe we should pray about it maybe we should talk about it yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting to see people's reaction to 
just this revelation. There's people, sometimes it's hard to like wrestle through it. Um, and some people just go back to, they're like, I already know this, this is their comfort zone. They go back or they're just like, you know what? I'm walking away. Like I can't. Yeah. And so, and that's what I, I'm so happy this podcast is coming back. Cause it's like, we can, if this is something somebody's going through, like we could work through it together yeah. and just give you something to think about. Yeah. Amen. And I mean, we've arrived in Jesus, you know, yeah. we've arrived in Christ and all this other stuff is how we continue to know the truth of Christ in so many ways. So great convo guys. Glad that we're getting this thing going again. I hope the audience loved it. Uh, Again, this was just a meet and greet today. And now we're going to get into some interviews and just some more topics. Um, But again, we're here to be open and honest. We're here to talk about this stuff in a healthy way. And at the end of the day, no matter what, if you agree or don't agree with us, we love you and we bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. (laughs) See you later, guys. (laughs) 